You're listening to another episode of The Zag. Eric Rousseau here, continuing our Teacher Appreciation Week series. Reconnecting with 2017 NLCLA fellow Wade Dean is here. He's one of our educator reps in higher education. We'll catch up with him, see how life is going uh, for his virtual and distance learning world. Also talk about uh, things that are happening on the East Coast and some of the states that he's been in or near lately. You don't want to miss it. Let's get to it. All right, Wade, remind folks what kind of teaching you do. Uh, I am right now at the at UCLA, I'm about to say the University of California, Los Angeles. <laughs> Way too formal. Uh, but yeah, right now I'm at UCLA. I am finishing up my uh, PhD career, uh, PhD candidate, and I'm finishing up my dissertation, looking to defend uh, this fall. But I am within the Department of Musicology, and my work focuses on uh, popular culture, Black vernacular music, and mid-20th century to early 21st century Black social life. And so you were teaching when everything went into lockdown. What class were you teaching and what happened afterwards? So I was not teaching within the classroom. I had taken Mm. a graduate assistantship or graduate research position within the African American Studies Department uh, as you know, my broad title was just GSR, but I was brought on to really be a somewhat of a liaison, somewhat of a, a counselor uh, figure for a lot of the undergrads and some of the graduate students who are trying to really navigate that space of being uh, a Black student uh, within the UC system, which is can be a somewhat kind of mm-hmm. uh, precarious, how to really just be successful, how to navigate some of these things that like some of these offices and the bureaucracy of the light that can throw you off, but also just get the most out of your career as a UCLA student. And so then in terms of what you have heard from from undergrads that you've talked to since we went into lockdown or, or what maybe you anticipate that they're thinking or feeling, uh, what kind of things are, are top of mind for them or what kind of conversations have you had? Uh, so for a lot of, I'll tell you what, uh, a lot of the kids that I have heard from, especially in the opening throes of uh, our shared corona reality, were my former students, uh, mm. specifically a class that I taught, I would say, around the time where I started Institute. It was a class uh, that was focused on the 1960s, uh, specifically it was called uh, Black, Popular Music, Black Popular Music and the Pursuit of Freedom. Mm. Uh, in that particular class, ironically, I had no Black students. Okay. Uh, But uh, we had, it was such a dynamic group uh, that we had always continued uh, talking with one another over the course of their undergraduate career. And they were supposed to graduate this year. And so when this thing hit and they began to realize that their graduation was not going to happen, that they weren't going to be able to do a lot of the the, uh, things that a a UCLA undergrad or UCLA senior would do, it kind of hit them hard. Uh, They were trying to make sense of this entire four years. Like, granted, they were going to have a degree, but also, you know, we all, like, I got to have a graduation, right? I got to feel that my parents were there. I know what that feels like, but they won't, at least not for, at least not in the ways that they intended. Uh, And so that was one of those things that kind of, like, threw them off, especially now trying to do this remote learning thing. It's, it's tough. It's tough for a lot of reasons, not only because you're doing this, you're not in a room full of your peers, a room with your uh, with your teacher, with your professor, 
but also you are isolated in this in a space, be it your parents' office, maybe your your bedroom. You're isolated in this space amidst a reality, amidst a world that is always changing minute by minute, that is chaotic, that is full of anxiety, that is full of a lot of the unknown, and trying to navigate that while <laughs> writing a term paper or <laughs> doing your finals. That thing can, it can throw you off. Yeah. And it actually makes you think then of your own experience when you're going to defend your dissertation. What's that going to be like for you in that setting, potentially? <laughs> the best question, Eric, I can give you is I don't know. Okay. Because every day that I feel like I have some type of understanding of things, and this is like broadly, uh, a wrench is thrown into the mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still going to defend. Uh, uh, broadly, it should be via Zoom. Uh, I'm hoping that it will be uh, early to mid-November of this year. But that said, you know, there's a lot of unknowns on the other end of this. Like a lot of universities have done hiring freezes across the board. And if they haven't done hiring freezes, they're actually like letting go tenured faculty. Hmm. So there's a lot of like things that's been like upended by uh, the coronavirus. The only thing I know to do is in this moment at this time, do my best work. And that is done via my writing, via my capacity to think and to imagine, to also be a musician, you know, I'm back playing my saxophone full time now, and that feels amazing. Mm-hmm. But also just trying to like imagine what I could do to contribute to a more compassionate, a more inclusive world that really enacts the enacts a shared reality that we all have been trying to envision mm-hmm. for, if not within my generation, my parents' generation, and generations before that. When we come back, we'll talk with Wade a little bit more about music, about uh, life on the East Coast, where he's where he's bunkered down now. Thanks for tuning into this episode of The Zag. We'll be right back. Wade, have you been following how the music industry itself is trying to picture what it'll look like in the next 6 to 12 to 18 months? Have you been following how... Maybe different musicians or different acts are trying to figure out, you know, live streaming concerts from their homes. Or are you, you know, kind of following some of the musical venues that are trying to debate if they should open with social distancing, uh, 20% capacity uh, uh, kind of vibes to try to at least have something going on? What, what's your take on where the mu- music injury, it's, industry itself is going to go? <laughs> that is a loaded and complicated question, but it's my job to deal with the complicated. So here it goes. <laughs> uh one thing that has been popping up, uh, if you have Instagram, if you're on that a lot, or if you have Twitter, there's been these battles, right? Uh, the most notorious of which was the battle between Babyface and Teddy Riley, right? That was mm-hmm. like, there were so many things in that. Uh, it was hilarious, but also it was a bit of nostalgia because if you're in my generation, you got to really relive that mid-90s to early 2000 moment where Teddy Riley and Babyface were in their prime. And then you have like in other genres, you have uh, like with gospel, you had, uh, I believe it was a battle between John P. Key and, ooh, I don't want to call it wrong. So I'm just not going to say it because I don't want to say and give out wrong information. But upcoming now, you have like a battle that's coming up between Jill Scott and Erica Badu. So what I'm trying to say is like you're with via social media, uh, folk are really finding imaginative ways to build community imaginable ways to stay connected to one another and the cultural products that define their shared world. And so I think that's dope. I don't know how record companies and the like are going to 
use that. Uh, I would hope, and this is just me being an idealist, I would hope that they don't because I like to, I found that when uh, certain things get commercialized via, you know, record companies and the like, it kind of like loses its, uh, I, you know, the word authenticity is such a charge where so I won't say that. It just becomes, it just becomes whack. That's the best I could say. It It just becomes really, really whack. So uh, right now, I like to I like seeing what's organically happening amongst uh, the shared audience that I find myself a part of that you are a part of as well. And from that, we'll see what happens. Hey, last thing. So you are hunkered down on the East Coast now, not in L.A. You're in Georgia. Georgia has been a state in the news for a lot of reasons. You know, a couple of weeks ago, it was more about them opening up too soon. And then most recently, and most importantly, it's been about uh, the murder that happened uh, to someone who was just jogging in their neighborhood. What uh, feelings has this experience living out there for the last couple of weeks or months been like for you? Well, so, you know, I'm, uh, I'm from this side of the country. I'm from South Carolina originally. Uh, I'm here in Georgia because my fiance lives here. She uh, works here in Athens, Georgia. Uh, just to, not to correct you, but I just want to like mm. be upfront. Please. That Ahmad was not murdered; he was lynched. Okay. Anything outside of that uh, category is false. Uh, starting with Corona, and I worked my way back to Ahmad. Uh, there's been a lot of recklessness happening here uh, in this community that I'm in now, and it it really uh, makes me uh, anxious. Uh, my fiance is a veterinary pathologist; she deals with. Uh, you know, uh, foreign-born disease and the like. And so I get to hear about how this thing works. Um, Watching the governor being as reckless as he is trying to force people back to work, watching how the South is once again reanimating this sensibility that puts the economy over people. It uh, it, it breaks my heart, I'm not going to lie. It really does, because the community that we are living in now are it's it's very much a community uh that's separated by the railroad tracks and so black folk you know are going to get hit really really hard by this so-called open america back up movement because black folk especially in in the rural south they don't have access to public health uh they're going to be the ones that are going to be pushed back into the workforce either via meat processing meat processing plants mm-hmm. uh via I don't know. You, you, I mean, these the so-called essential, uh, essentialized spaces where you are now an essential worker, where before you were nobody ever gave. Excuse my French, but nobody gave a shit about you. Uh, these are the people that are going to get hit hardest, and it breaks my heart to see that happening. Uh, regarding a mod, that when it hit uh, Eric about what that the, I, I knew about the I knew about the case in February. And Corona became the forefront of our, everybody's headspace that I just, I, 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 I feel bad saying this, that I forgot about it. And then I was having a, a Zoom meeting earlier this week. And I remember I was on my Twitter uh, timeline and scrolling and Twitter has this autoplay function and the video started playing. And before I even knew what I was watching, I saw it. And I remember I screamed out loud. Uh, and I hadn't felt numb like that until the moment, since the moment that I uh, saw Philando Castillo mm-hmm. killed as well. In the same way, 
uh, and I'm not quite right now. Uh, and if, if it sounds like I'm kind of like shaking the voice because it's 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 really it's really weighing heavy on me because I'm here in this small college town called Athens, Georgia, and I'm a runner. I love to run. I try to stay in shape, but since that has gone down, I would be lying if I said I'm not scared. That when I walk out the house now, or when I try to go running, the first thing on my mind is not, let me get my, let me see if I can meet the next PR or my next PR. It's whether or not, and please forgive me for my bluntness, whether or not a white person is going to see my black skin and detect a sense of deviance and criminality. And because of that detection, they find a reason where that I should be dead. And that is not right. This is not the world that we should be living in. And the only reason that I don't hold on to that thought, onto that fear is because of people like you, my friends and my cohort and my family within uh, NLC, my best friend who is himself uh, your stereotypical uh, frat white boy, from UVA, who I love with uh, all of my heart, who gets it, with all the allies that we have who get it, with it, it uh, I can't hold on to that fear because that fear is not going to get us to, and I mean, and I mean it when I say us, it's not going to get us to where we need to be, where we deserve to be. Uh, so I, I turn from my fear and I turn to hope. And that's a labor that is heavy and that is hard every minute of the day. But it is the only option that I have and is the only option I will allow myself to have. And that is hope. Wade, thanks for your honesty, as always. And thanks for, for pushing for pushing me and pushing folks in our, our community. And, and our hearts are with you for sure. And our thoughts are with you as well. Thanks so much for coming on. And, and yeah, and, and stay safe out there and stay safe, everyone. As well, wherever you are, remember, you can hear all episodes of the Zags in the usual places. We've been featuring a lot of great educators like Wade across all of the country in the last couple of days for Teacher Appreciation Week. Check those out and then check out all the episodes as well we've done featuring folks doing work on the front lines of COVID. Get those Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, all the places you get them. Check them out. And until next time, we'll catch you soon.